turn to Psalm 124. And we'll read it together. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When the wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have, been, would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us a prey as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Father, we do thank you for this word and we ask that, uh, Lord, you would just bless us um, as we, Lord, as we look into it for wisdom, as we look into it for your character and we praise you in advance. Amen. So this is the uh, next psalm in uh, the series of Psalm of Ascents and it makes it abundantly clear that we will arrive at the end of our journey having come, in, having come through various toils and snares and trials. And as we walk the Christian pathway, we should expect difficulties and enemies and hostility and possibly even violence. We can expect to be hated by those who hate God. And yet, we must also joyfully expect that the Lord will be on our side through it all. Amen? This is the theme of Psalm 124. Let us learn it and live it out by faith. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce notes this. He says, It is easy to see how a psalm praising God's protection from the early days of Israel's national history might be incorporated into the psalms pilgrims sang on their way to Jerusalem which David had made his capital. It would be a way of saying, the God we are going to Jerusalem to worship is a very great God indeed. So as we look at the first two verses, David is making an assertion here. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let all Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, it's a simple assertion. He's simply saying Yahweh is on Israel's side. You know, David repeats it. He says it twice here in these, uh, in these two verses. Um, and it indeed is a claim that needs to be repeated. It is confidence building. It's a meditation. It's repetition. And he expectantly desires that God's covenant people say these words with him in order to exalt the Lord and to comfort their own hearts. You know, he's confessing it personally and corporately. Martin Luther says this, This repetition is not in vain. For whilst we are in danger, our fear is without measure. But when it is once past, we imagine it to have been less than what it was indeed. And this is the delusion of Satan, to diminish and obscure the grace of God. May we never allow God's grace to be diminished or obscured. Amen? Claiming God is on our side is controversial. To claim that God is on one side is an astounding statement 
to be made in a culture that has embraced religious pluralism. This was true in David's time, and it is true in our day as well. This is a psalm for all times and all places as the ebbs and flows of his story come to pass. You know, clearly, God was on the side of his people and not on the side of his enemies. And we have enemies because God has enemies. Those who hate God hate those who belong to him. We must believe and faithfully cling to the truth that God is on our side if we are going to be able to stand firm when men rise up against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? So the second major section here in this psalm, David makes a humble admission. As we look at verses uh, 3 through 5, in the context of if God had not been on Israel's side, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. You know, David here honestly and humbly admits and acknowledges what would have happened if the Lord was not on their side. It would have been bad. It would have been very bad for the Israelites. They would not have survived if God had not been for them. We must cry with David, as he did in 1 Samuel 17, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David in no way suggests that he or they could muster the courage and capability to overcome their enemies on their own. He is humbly admitting that God is for them, and these things did not take place. There are times when we face trials that seem impossible to overcome. Troubles flood our souls. The waters are up to our necks, and we feel like we're bobbing for air. Evil dragons seek to slay us. Spurgeon summarized it in this manner. Anger is never more fiery than when the people of God are its objects. Sparks become flames, and the furnace is heated seven times hotter when God's elect are to be thrust into the blaze. Yet, the Lord is the dragon slayer. Amen? Jesus is Emmanuel. And he is with his people just as he was with this people at this time. He is with us in the midst of any trials. Jesus crushed the serpent's head and he can therefore crush any opposition or trial you have today. We must cling by faith to Christ when Satan tempts us to despair. When false religions look insurmountable, when secularism seems to have won the day, when various enemies hurt us or slander us or um, bring malice against us, when people are heartless or thoughtless, even when false doctrines envelop the church, when professing Christians break our hearts, when persecutors seek to derail us, if not destroy us, whatever your trial, whatever opposition you face, take heart 
that you would have been crushed were the Lord not on your side. Verses 6 and 7, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Again, having admitted complete dependence on the Lord, David breaks forth into celebration. He is confessing with celebration. He's counting his blessings and he is now blessing the blesser. The predator will not have his fill when the Lord is on your side. We must never forget the greatest deliverance we have experienced by the Lord being on our side. Even if you can't relate directly to some of those above scenarios, nevertheless, if you are saved, you can relate to the far more serious situation in which by the name of the Lord you were delivered from spiritual death, from slavery to sin, from self, from the devil, ultimately you were delivered from something far more dangerous and far more destructive than the wrath of man. By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were delivered from the damnation of God. The snare has been broken and the bird has been set free to sing in joyful, exuberant praise. We have escaped through Christ Jesus. He has broken the snare. Let us, like this bird set free, sing forth its praises. And verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The experience has strengthened and confirmed David's faith. And he ends the psalm with this confident confession of faith. David is unashamed to declare that there is only one God and that he is the one who created heaven and earth and that all others are imposters. This kind of hopeful confession requires trials as David and Israel faced. Trials put our professed knowledge of God to the test. Let us be eager to surf the waves with the Lord. As those waters look to overwhelm us, he will help us to ride the waves as a surfer does. Let us step into the Jordan by faith, as we've seen in Joshua. While the banks were overflowed, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Spurgeon said, Our help, our hope for the future Our ground of confidence in all trials present and to come is in the name of the Lord. Jehovah's revealed character is our foundation of confidence. His person is our sure fountain of strength. I just want to end with a story. In the year 1582, this psalm was sung on a remarkable occasion in Edinburgh. An imprisoned minister, and he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel, his name was John Dury, had been set free and was met and welcomed on entering the town by 200 of his friends. They were excited to see him. That number, however, increased till he found himself in the midst of a company of about 2,000 who began to sing as they moved up the long high street headed to the kirk Now Israel may say, 
etc. They sang in four parts with deep solemnity, all joining in the well-known tune and psalm. They were much moved themselves, and so were all who heard. And one of the chief persecutors is said to have been more alarmed at this sight and song than at anything else he had seen in all of Scotland. May that be us. Amen? May we sing the psalms, the songs of the Lord. May we praise his name so loud and so boisterous and with such exuberance that there is no one, there is no one that would stand in the way of Christ as he moves forward in this uh, story, which is his. Father, we thank you. We thank you. And we thank you that you have broken the snare. Lord, that you have set us free. Lord, that you invite us to your table in celebration. And as we remember what you did on our behalf, Lord, that it would bolster our faith all the more. We thank you and we praise you.